this week on Missions Today. The biggest sign of hope that we saw was just the overwhelming enthusiasm that these young Christians expressed towards missions. This is a this is a generation that is oriented towards justice work. We know that they it's a generation who's passionate and fiery about wanting to make a difference today in today's society. And they really see missions as a healthy outlet to do that. The next generations are poised to engage in missions, but the truth is it may not be quite as easy for them to commit as earlier generations. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert and welcome to Missions Today. A recent study indicates that younger and younger generations of Christians are interested in missions, but they have a lot of questions to be answered before they engage more deeply. So what do we need to learn about these young people and their feelings about missions? Savannah Kimberlin is the Director of Research Solutions and Church Engagement for Barna, a nationally recognized research organization. And she joins us today with some answers from this study, The Future of Missions. Savannah, welcome to the program. Hi, Colin. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here today. Tell us a bit about this study. Why was it commissioned and what were you trying to accomplish in putting it together? So we actually decided to conduct this study even before the COVID-19 pandemic happened, which is pretty wild to think that we, we know how much missions has been disrupted in the past year and a half. And so even before any of that disruption happened, we decided it was worthwhile to explore and research the changing landscape of missions, knowing that so much is changing. How this project came to be is we had a conversation with the International Mission Board, and we met with their leadership and decided that it would be worthwhile to join forces and do a research project about missions, focusing on the opinions perspectives, beliefs, desires of the different generations. So to do a generational approach to missions, thinking about maybe how strategies need to shift as we think about the future, keeping those younger generations in mind. As I looked at the study and went through it, it's obvious that there's a lot of focus on what this younger uh, generation or younger generations are thinking about. If we can't get them involved, if they're not part of the process, it's going to be hard for there to be a future of missions. Yeah, that's exactly right. We we spent a lot of time, the vast majority of the time in the book, talking about young adults ages 18 through 34. So that is the top end of the Gen Z generation, which are teenagers today. So that's the tippy top edge of Gen Z and millennials, the full millennial generation. I know that in the process, you were trying to answer some specific questions, and we'll touch on some of those today, but what do you think turned out to be some of the biggest questions that needed answering related to this study? That's a really good question. I, I think some of the biggest issues that arose in the research that we realized we needed to address were related to skepticism. I think we saw a lot of skepticism from our young adults in the research, and we decided to dig deep on that, and we created a profile called Supportive Skeptics in order to explore that a bit further. But um, essentially what we saw is that these young people today who are interested in missions, perhaps they're giving to missions, they want to have some honest conversations about missions past, perhaps where missions historically has been unethical. 
And, and they really want to invest the time to wrestle through those things and to process their skepticism so that they can emerge out the other side of that wrestling, the strongest supporters of missions possible. They really want to engage in an honest dialogue before they wholeheartedly support missions, knowing that there are major implications there for us as church leaders or, or Christian leaders, right, that care about missions, lots of implications. I think one of the things that might be the biggest question for the individual listening today that is not familiar with the history of missions is why would anybody be skeptical about missions? You mentioned missions being unethical. Could you talk for a moment about what you learned and, and what came up as part of these conversations related to those issues of the unethical nature of missions or problems with mission in the past? So we looked at colonialism. So for those of you who maybe don't know what that is, just the the idea of white people coming into a non-white culture and trying to trying to encourage those locals to take on white culture. So that is that is by definition colonialism. And so young people today, especially those supportive skeptics, they they're like, "Huh, yeah, maybe Christianity or Christian mission is tainted a little bit because this is something that missions historically has prioritized. Also, interestingly, we explored if missions can sometimes lead to unhealthy local dependence on the charity that is coming in to offer the mission support. We see a lot of young people having serious concern about that. Does missions work ultimately lead to unhealthy local dependence? We, we need to wrestle through that. And also just generally speaking, thirdly, we explored the reputation of Christianity, how it not always has been a welcome influence in some cultures? And what does it look like for Christians to do mission work knowing that sometimes and, and in some communities, its reputation is not the greatest? So as you look at the study, look back at what you learned, what do you think are the two or three big takeaways from that age group that we need to be looking at as the church and as parents of kids? I would say that we were surprised to see how much potential there really is when it comes to young people today being interested in missions. So to give you some statistics, because we are Barna and that's what we do, we saw that half of young Christians age 18 to 34, so to be more specific, that's 52% qualified as being potential missionaries, meaning that we showed them some profiles of missionaries and asked, are you interested? Would you be interested in becoming this kind of a missionary? And they, 52% said yes, for one of the profiles at least. Yeah, I'm really interested actually, and I want to learn more. A lot of people think young people just aren't interested in missions, and that has just proven not to be true from this research. They they certainly are interested in Hungary to, to have a meaningful experience and to make a difference in the world. Yeah. How about one more? And then we'll talk a little bit about the breakdown and, and responses from different types of groups of kids in these different categories. So the other thing we found that is very helpful and useful, we, we explored for young Christians today the importance and the value of knowing a missionary. So having a personal relationship, now it doesn't mean that they have to be your best friend, but in personally knowing a missionary is tied to so many wonderful benefits when it comes to 
creating a healthy and vibrant missions culture. So young Christians who know a missionary are more likely to say they'll give to missions. They'll pray for missions. They're interested in going on a trip. They're interested in supporting an organization who does missions. Personally knowing a missionary, putting a face on missions work and a face and a name and a personality really makes a large difference. So as we're thinking about how do we engage this younger generation and create a generation of people who want to be in who want to be engaged with missions long-term for the rest of their life, perhaps step one, introduce them to a missionary. We talked a moment ago about the uh, problem, the challenge of uh, missions past colonialism being one of those. And I'm just wondering, did you take a look at this younger generation's feelings about missions uh, based on their ethnicity? Are white students, white young people looking at missions differently than uh, people of color? What did you find in that arena? We had the opportunity to look at young people of color and to study them specifically and to see if they were interested in missions, if they wanted to become missionaries. So young Americans, American people of color. And we found that especially for young Black adults, they are the most likely to be a potential missionary as we defined it. So that group of people who are just really eager and are open and willing to explore becoming a missionary. So to give you some more numbers, for young Black adults, it's 61% of young Black adults fit into that potential missionary category versus young white adults, which is 48%. Also for young Hispanic adults, if you're interested in that, it's 54%. So 61% and 54% versus 48% of white young adults. There, There really is a lot of interest here. There is a lot of eagerness for these young, engaged, Black church-going Christians. They, they're fascinated by missions and are really wanting to step up. I know that uh, one of your areas of interest was how the mission's history shapes its present and its future. We That's kind of what we're talking about related to some of the challenges. And you talked with a, a lady named Barbara Jones. It seems that in that conversation, there was some very important information that came up as well related to getting more young people of color engaged. Can you talk about that for a moment? So Barbara Jones, we did an interview with her that was really powerful talking about what it looks like to activate young people of color. And she gave three really wonderful recommendations for how to begin this dialogue and to how to perhaps better engage young people of color. So her first point was honestly address fears which is essentially what we've been talking about today, Colin. What does it look like for us to talk about the history of missions? What does it look like to talk about the fears that young people of color may be feeling or experiencing when it comes to considering missions? Secondly, develop cultural competencies. So when we're talking about white people conversing with people of color as it pertains to missions, what are what are the differences and how we see the world and how we see missions in particular based on our lived experiences because of our ethnicity, right? So Barbara specifically recommends that we look in the mirror and address issues of power and control and make room for other people and really put effort into developing these cultural competencies as we enter the mission field together. Um, And then thirdly, she speaks specifically to white individuals. And I, I think this is a really beautiful point she makes. Be humble enough to be discipled. 
So her first, honestly address fears. Second, develop cultural competencies. And thirdly, be humble enough to be discipled. What does it look like to learn from our brothers and sisters who are men and women of color? Helpful information. We're talking with Savannah Kimberlin. She is Director of Research Solutions and Church Engagement for Barna. And we're talking about the study, The Future of Missions, and focusing specifically on the younger generations for the most part, because those folks really are most likely to be the future of missions, both here in America and around the world. One of the things you mentioned early on was talking about how missions engages and the maybe difference between aid and evangelism and finding that right balance uh, and not getting into a community and and providing just financial help, financial help, financial help, and not really helping that local entity grow because of the dependency that often is created in these efforts. Talk for a moment about some of your findings related to uh, the right balance between aid and evangelism and uh, that kind of work. Finding a balance between aid and evangelism is vital when we're talking about engaging the next generation. So I think just to put it simply, we have to talk about it. We have to think about it. If we are, perhaps any listeners are sending missionaries, um, they are an entity or an organization or a pastor who is responsible for sending missions, missions trips all over the world. I would ask you, how do you balance aid and evangelism in the work that you do or in the work that you encourage others to do? This is a very important conversation for young people today. We see that young people value the bringing of aid in a healthy way. It's interesting in the data, we see that young people are almost wanting Christian organizations and churches almost to make a business case for the missions work that they're doing. How are you transforming a community? How are you doing it in a healthy way? What value are you bringing to a community? When it comes to aid, they really are looking for some robust answers and they want to make sure that they're blessing a community and ultimately not harming it through missions work. So that's largely important, but also the good news is they are not only prioritizing aid. Evangelism is still very important. And we see even among supportive skeptics, who are the people we've been talking about a little bit, the skeptical young adults, the top priority that these young people, these supportive skeptics are feeling is to find that perfect balance between aid and evangelism. We must do evangelism. We must share the gospel. We must love them. We must most certainly make strides in all of those ways in addition to bringing aid. So there, there has to be this balance, and that is what young people are looking for. Let's for a moment dive a little more deeply into this group you've mentioned a couple of times, the supportive skeptics. What are maybe some of the key elements that we need to know about related to this group called the supportive skeptics? One in four young adults today, Christian young adults, meets this definition of the supportive skeptic. So that's 26% of these young Christians. So I think you're right, Colin, as we're thinking about the future of missions, we have to engage these young supportive skeptics, we have to understand them and we have to be able to serve them um, and, and meet their needs if we want to engage them. Otherwise, we're cutting out really a quarter of young people that, that are our future, are the potential future. So it's 26% of young adults age 18 to 34. And some, some traits that we can, we can talk about that define young adults today, 
They care very deeply about things like showing other people God's love through missions. 88% say that missionaries should always do that. They should always show other people God's love. 76%, which is a strong majority, say that missionaries should always help Christians understand the faith better. Uh, 76% say that they should always share the gospel with non-Christians. So there most certainly is this element of we most certainly need to have this evangelistic sort of essence to what we're doing as missionaries. We absolutely should always share the gospel with non-Christians, but they care very much so about aid. These are the people who are most likely to, to say, you know, at the end of the day, I need to know if you're asking me to be a missionary or to support missions, I need to know that we are really making a difference. And maybe that's something we all should be wrestling with. In addition to the evangelistic component of missions, beyond that, in the physical, when it comes to things like aid, are we really making a difference? So we're going to need to answer that question for these young people. Also, interestingly, they are more inclined to show interest in some out-of-the-box mission styles. So they're interested in thinking about what does it look like to be a missionary who's a business leader? Or what does it look like to be an entrepreneur and a missionary or to support someone who's like that? Or even an artist, for example, what does it look like to be a missionary and an artist? So they're, they're wanting to think differently. They're wanting to think a little bit like businessmen and women as they approach missions, um, and they want to make sure that we're being effective. So now I will say, as, as my final remark about the supportive skeptics, the reason why we call them supportive skeptics is because they are currently giving to missions, or they have very recently given to missions. So they are bought in literally speaking, financially speaking, but they there also is this level of skepticism where they just want to double and triple check and make sure that we're making a difference. So, so for all of us who are serving the next generation or are wanting to engage them, let's make sure that we're telling these young people how we are making a difference through our missions work. I know probably most of the people that listen to this uh, program are adults, and I mean adults that potentially have kids or grandkids if they have been married. Interested in some of your findings later in the project tied to parents and their influence on mission engagement. You say that sometimes parents can be a barrier. What did you learn about that? So it's interesting when we look at parents, uh, we, we asked engage Christian parents. So these are the faithful church going, care a lot about their faith. They care a lot about passing on their faith to their child, these types of Christian parents. We asked them if they were open to the idea of their child becoming a missionary. And interestingly, 35% said they were very open to the idea and 39% said they were somewhat open to the idea. So if we combine those together, that's the majority. So the majority of these Christian parents are at least somewhat open to the idea of their child serving as an international missionary as a career. So that that was firstly was pretty shocking because we're like, okay, that's actually a lot of openness here. And, and, and we're like, okay, so that, that's a good sign for sure. And that is worth celebrating. But then we started to ask these parents about their fears. And really, we saw in the data, perhaps as some of us might anticipate, that there is a sense that these parents are, are expressing to us in this data of, well, I know that I need to trust my child. And I like to, like to believe that I would trust my child if they chose to serve as a missionary 
And I do think that it's a positive experience, but also I'm concerned about safety, um, especially parents of women, of young women. I'm concerned about their financial future. That was a big concern. When they come off of the missions field, are they, are they going to be ruined financially, especially as they are going to try to acclimate back into American life? So whereas we saw a lot of openness, we also saw that these parents were very willing to express their fears and their concerns to us. And we know that often those fears or that concern or the worry about things like safety or just the financial future of their children, that can become a barrier for the children who are interested in going um, on the missions field. So our takeaway from this research is that parents are wrestling lots of pros, but also lots of cons that they're feeling when it comes to missions. And we need to shepherd and disciple the parents of missionaries um, just, just as much, perhaps, as we need to disciple the missionaries themselves. In our final minutes here, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. First, what can we be doing right now to prepare this next generation? There are a lot of learning points in this study some of it can be applied personally, like we were just talking about, related to parents. Obviously, it is uh, applicable to churches and probably mission organizations as well. What are some things we learned through this process about how best to prepare those next generations for mission work? So I think I have three things. First, we need to teach these young people to pray for missions. Do you pray for missions? This is something you prioritize. These young people don't fully understand the importance and the value of prayer as it pertains to missions. So step one, let's teach them that prayer is important. Let's coach them on how to actually do it. Secondly, I do think it is definitely worth mentioning again that we we should disciple parents. So most parents want the very best for their kids. But somewhere along the way, sometimes things get a little mixed up for Christians, and we can't blame them for that. And we need to we need to offer these parents some pastoral guidance in this area. So even as we're thinking about engaging the next generation of emerging missionaries, what does it look like right now today to begin discipling parents to prepare them for what may come two, three, four, five years from now in their in their family and in their life. And then thirdly, I would most certainly recommend very practically that we prioritize connecting these young Christians with missionaries, start building relationships, put a face and a name on missions work, close relationships and regular interactions do a lot to rouse your church and to rouse young people for, for global ministry. So Let's make sure that we we prioritize facilitating these close connections because the research definitely does suggest that they make a difference. Finally, do you think you could look at the overall project and kind of give us a feel for what might be the most concerning data that you looked at and then the most exciting data that you looked at? I would say the most concerning data was, I know we've spent this session today talking about younger adults. I would say, though, the most concerning data is that we saw dwindling engagement with older adults, age 35 plus, even financially supporting missions work. We think that within the next one to three years, there's going to be a generational turnover. Millennials, with their giving to missions, 
are about to surpass the boomer generation in their giving to missions. When we look at the numbers, there's this dwindling engagement for people in their 40s and 50s and 60s. So that's concerning, especially considering the wisdom that these generations hold that younger generations really uh, need to glean from. So what does it look like to not forget about the older adults, especially as we are focusing on engaging the next generation, which is a wonderful goal. We cannot forget about the older adults who have so much to offer, not just financially, but we certainly know it to be true that they do have um, things to offer us financially as well when we're thinking about missions. So that was probably the most concerning, I would say, Colin. And the biggest sign of hope that we saw was just the overwhelming enthusiasm that these young Christians expressed towards missions. This is, a, this is a generation that is oriented towards justice work. We know that they it's a generation who's passionate and fiery about wanting to make a difference today in today's society. And they really see missions as a healthy outlet to do that. So we were very encouraged because there's a lot of potential there, a lot of openness, a lot of opportunity to get these young people to believe in missions, to support missions, and to really make a difference for the kingdom in the world. Making a difference for the kingdom. That's what many young Christians are passionate about today, and those passions can direct them to missions work. You know, Savannah shared a few key points that bear repeating. Number one, introduce young people to missionaries. The research clearly shows that young people who've personally met someone engaged in missions are most likely to support and possibly join mission work in the future. Number two, understand that young people from different backgrounds and cultures have different perspectives on mission work, past and present. Engage in conversation that helps them process those differences. And finally, if you or your church are looking for young people to be engaged with mission activity, make sure you're prepared to answer all of their questions about the purpose and the process along the way. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, I'll be joined by a woman whose life was turned around through the tragedy of the 9-11 attack. If you've enjoyed the show today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. If you have feedback for me, I'd love to hear from you as well. Email me at clambertadmissionstoday.com, clambertadmissionstoday.com. And be sure to follow our Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.